I am excited today because Jesus is going to show us in his word as he answers questions. How old is the earth? How was creation? What is going on in the world today? What did the Bible say then about it? Well, right now we're going to welcome the guy that can answer many of those questions. Put your hands together for Russ Miller as he comes to share God's word. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. Hey, it's, it's great to be here with you all this morning. Always love uh, sharing with Pastor Tim and Jewel and, and the whole church family. So I'm doing a few new things here. This is Jewel's cell phone, so I'm going to try to control it with this. So if I push the wrong button and things go haywire, you'll know what's going on. But um, I'm actually going to uh, share a, a message that God put on my heart for a few years. I really just put together... I've really only presented once before, and that was uh, a week ago yesterday up in uh, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. But I'm going to try to answer uh, some of the top questions today. You know, the first time Satan shows up in the Bible, Genesis 3, verse 1, the first thing he does is he asks the question, hath God said? You see, that's the way Satan works. He plants seeds of doubt by bringing forth questions. So I want to... uh, try to answer some of the 25 top questions I hear these days. Um, You know, the Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to every man with meekness and fear. So let's get right into this. 25 common questions. A lot of these are based on skepticism, but because of the skeptics out there, a lot of these have infiltrated well-meaning people. And so I get it from skeptics, and I get the same questions from well-meaning people as well. So let's go ahead and get into some of these. Isn't the Bible just a bunch of legends and myths? Have you ever heard someone ask something along those lines? This actually comes from the 1800s. Back in the, uh, the Bible is actually historically set. It's set in a specific location and a specific period of time. And because of that, it opens itself up to scientific verification, especially through archaeology. You know, again, back in the 1800s, um, skeptics were starting to question the Bible and plant seeds of doubt by saying that the the nations and the kings named in the Bible were just mythical creatures. Um, Pamela Allen Schultz is calling, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll forget about that, right? I should have said that, but it's right there. The phone's beeping. 
So this really, when you hear those, this comes from the 1800s. Let me point out a couple of things. Historical verification. 20th century archaeologists, the newly developing science of archaeology, crushed that skeptical question. More than 40 of the kings and nations named in the Bible were found by archaeologists throughout the 20th century. Hold on. This is now. Hang on. I'm having a couple issues here. There we go. Okay, see, I just learned, don't turn this sideways. So more than 40 of the kings and nations were found crushing the skepticism, but also in 2005, because the skeptics were also claiming there never was a King David, in 2005, Israeli archaeologists found King David's palace. And when they found that, they stated, what's amazing about the Bible is that it's amazingly accurate. Well, there's a reason for that, by the way. Let me go to another question here, because we're going to get back to some of these issues as well. Jane, Jane Cox is calling. <laughs> okay, I won't bring it up again, but Jewel is a very popular individual. So why is the Bible at odds with science? Have you ever heard that question? First of all, the Bible has never been at odds with real science. Real science is a believer's best friend. That's what I show people throughout our teachings on the, the fairy tale of Darwinian evolutionism. And, and then we get into the flood issues, the dinosaurs, the Grand Canyon, etc. The Bible has never been at odds with science. It's been at odds with secular interpretations of the world being taught as science. It's not the facts. It's the interpretation based on secular beliefs. Did you know that more than 80% of the branches of modern science were started by Christians? There wouldn't even be science without Christianity. We thought, well, there's, a, there's an intelligent creator. He probably put some, some laws and principles in place to govern his creation. And because of that, we began science. Now, that's been undermined over the last 200 years by secularists who now own the system but realize what's being taught as science is not the facts that go against what the Bible says. It's the secular-based interpretation of the facts. A biblical-based interpretation of the facts fits the information much, much better. For instance, the Bible tells us that at the end of the sixth day, God looked at his creation and said it was finished. At the end of the sixth day of creation, God said the creation was finished. Well, the first law of thermodynamics is the law of conservation of mass and energy, that matter and our energy cannot be created or destroyed. What's there is there. In other words, when God said creation was finished, I think what he meant was uh, <clears throat> creation was finished. <laughs> you know, the Bible tells us several times that the foundation of the earth and the heavens will wax old, that they're going to wear out like a garment. Well, the second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy that holds that things tend toward disorder. They lose energy. Things wear out. The heavens and the earth are wearing out. Our spin of the earth is slowing down. Our moon is slowly fading away. Things are going to wear out like a garment, like the second law, and the Bible has always told us. In fact, Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity says that the universe is a big result of something, and it had a beginning. So the universe is the result of something, and it had a beginning. Well, logic holds that for every result that had a beginning, 
the cause of that result had to exist outside of and not be a part of the result. The cause has to exist outside of the result. So in other words, the universe, which is a big result of something, the creator of the universe, the cause, had to exist outside of the universe's space, matter, and time. All other religions have their, their deity a part of space, matter, and time. That doesn't fit logically. However, of all ancient religious texts, only the biblical God claimed to exist outside of his universe's space, matter, and time. And only the biblical God claimed to be eternal, from everlasting to everlasting. Well, being eternal without a beginning cause puts the biblical God outside of the laws of cause and effect. So, in other words, of this leaves all non-believers out of step with logic and science, yet fits perfectly with our biblical creator. This Nobel-winning uh, astrophysicist stated, the best data we have are exactly what I would have predicted if I had nothing to go on but the five books of Moses. The Bible and the Word of God has never been out of step with real science. Real science is a believer's best friend, but secularists own the system, and they teach their religious-based interpretation of the world as science when it's not science, it's their biased interpretations. Well, don't Christians worship three different gods? Well, no, we worship one God who's manifests himself into three divine persons, being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, God's creation, as we should expect, also manifests a triune character of space, matter, and time. Space is unseen yet omnipresent, just as God is unseen yet omnipresent. Matter is a manifestation of space, just as Jesus is a manifestation of God. And time, while not seen, provides the means for experiencing matter, just as the Holy Spirit, while not seen, provides the means for experiencing Jesus. Space, matter, and time as entities each also manifest a triune character. Space comes in height, width, and depth. This doesn't always switch right when I want it to, but it's working. Hang on. Matter comes in solid, liquid, and gas, and time has the past, the present, and the future. And one God times, or one Father times one Son times one Holy Spirit is one God, not three gods. Well, here's a, here's a fair question. How do you know the Bible is the Word of God? Well, for this, I want to look at internal consistency and I also want to talk about prophetic accuracy, which Pastor Tim was discussing earlier as well. Let's talk about internal consistency. If there were uh, uh, three of us that witnessed a car accident at this intersection down here on 4th Street uh, at 1 o'clock today, and at 1.05, we each filled out a police report about what we saw, you would get three very conflicting reports. Well, think about the, the Word of God here. It's 66 books written by 40 authors that range from kings to shepherds to fishermen to doctors. It's written in three different languages in 15 countries on three continents 
over a 1,500-year-plus period of time, and yet it's one unified account without a viable contradiction found despite what skeptics might try to claim. And what about prophetic accuracy? You know, the Bible tells us you can tell the Word of God from false religions by their ability to fulfill prophecies. Uh, most religions will make prophecies, and they, may, maybe one out of five might come true and four out of five don't. The Bible makes about 2,700 prophecies. Over 90% have already been fulfilled. If you just take 10 of them mathematically, the odds of just 10 coming true are in the millions to one, much less 2,200 out of 2,200. Um, over 90% have occurred. Many are taking place right now. You know, a few that have taken place in many of our lifetimes is Israel becoming a nation again. I mean, after 1,800 years. Think about being a Christian in the 1800s, and, and the Bible keeps talking about Israel in the last days, and there hasn't been an Israel for 1,800 years, and then as the Bible foretold in one day in 1948, boom, there's Israel yet again. Mind-boggling. Wow. And another prophecy was they'd, they'd speak Hebrew. The, the Hebrew language had been gone for almost 2,000 years, and guess what? Today they speak Hebrew. Mind-boggling. <laughs> I, do, I do get moving along here because I know you guys want to get to lunch today. And, and most of the remaining prophecies will take place during the tribulation. Quite frankly, if Jesus shows up today in five minutes, all prophecies before, for, before his return have been fulfilled. I think some will be even more fulfilled. But he could show up at any time, and all the prophecies are there. On God's timeline, we're knocking at the door right now. And the Bible tells us, for the prophecy came not by the will of man, but of holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This isn't a man-made book. It's not man-made writings. It's, it's written by the Holy Spirit through men that were guided by that Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't the Bible full of errors and contradictions? I get this all the time. Uh, because of time, I'm only going to cover one as an example, but this is one uh, skeptics like to point to. Um, Second Chronicles uh, says that Solomon had 4,000 stalls of horses and chariots. But in 1 Kings, it says he had 40,000 stalls for horses. And people say, this is a contradiction. This is an error in the Bible proving you can't trust the Word of God. Well, I think it's just places where maybe we don't understand what we're being told. Let's look at this closer. One says there were 40,000 horse stalls. The other 4,000 horse and chariot stalls. Okay, Solomon had 4,000 chariots. Each chariot had 10 horses. So a chariot stall, of which there were 4,000, contained 10 individual horse stalls. Well, 10 horse stalls times 4,000 horse and chariot stalls are 40,000 horse stalls. No error in the Bible, just an area where people you really didn't catch the whole drift of the conversation. Well, weren't Adam and Eve just mythical creatures used to convey an idea? I get this from seminaries, by the way. 90% of which, 90 plus of Christian seminaries teach older beliefs that put death before Adam. Uh, undermining the, the foundation of the gospel message, by the way. So, 
Weren't Adam and Eve just mythical figures used to convey an idea? I'd hate to think what that idea would be if Adam was a mythical creature, because in Corinthians we're told, for as an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Whoops, I, sorry, I did that, I did that, Jewel, my bad. Let's see if I can figure it. She showed me how to get out of that, Jewel. <laughs> Maybe I hit it again. Oh, there you go. Hey, look at that. <clears throat> okay, so first of all, if the first Adam was mythical, what's that say about the second Adam? You know, scientifically, studies of the male chromosomes from around the world show we've descended from one man, known as the Y chromosome or the, uh, the Y chromosome Adam. Studies of female mitochondrial DNA from around the world indicate we've all descended from one woman known as the African or the mitochondrial Eve. Well, uh, Darwinists and humanists tried to assign an age of 500,000 years to Eve, but this from Science News. DNA mutation rate studies say Eve may have lived about 6,000 years ago. Wow. Real science, a believer's best friend. Oh, couldn't God have used the Big Bang? Now, listen, I'm sure some of you have fallen for this in here, but I always ask people, well, which Big Bang do you think he used? We're on our fourth Big Bang. Did you know that? They've all been scientifically debunked. This is humanist and sacralist attempt to explain the universe without God. So, no, this is not what God used. You know, first there was the steady-state Big Bang. That was debunked. Then there was a hesitation model Big Bang. That was debunked. Then there was the oscillating Big Bang. That was debunked. Now we're into the expanding Big Bang, the cover, the cover of a Scientific American five years ago was how they need to get rid of the current Big Bang. It's got so many problems, there's no way they could ever fix it. So no, God did not use man, uh, atheist and human as Big Bang. Uh, in fact, a letter signed by dozens of scientists appeared in New Scientist a couple of years ago called Bucking the Big Bang. And some of the comments included, the Big Bang Theory can boast no predictions that have been validated by scientific observation. The theory relies on a growing number of never-seen entities like dark matter, dark energy, inflation, etc., and cannot survive without these fudge factors. This is not science. Science doesn't do work this way. It would have been thrown out long ago if it were science. It's a religious belief on how we got here without God. God did not use the atheistic Big Bang. In fact, the biggest supposed, this is how badly secularists have undermined science. The biggest scientific um, discovery uh, and back in 2016 was the discovery of inflation, proving the Big Bang. In 2017, they very quietly retracted that finding, saying we were biased by our religious belief. No inflation out there. So do I believe in the Big Bang? Well, actually, I do believe in the Big Bang. See, the Bible says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night when the heavens will pass away with a great noise. There's going to be a Big Bang. It just hasn't happened yet. But it's coming to a theater near you soon, and you'd better be ready for it. Oh, how could God have gotten light here in six days? You ever hear that? Well, my first thought was, well, actually, he didn't get here in six days. He got here in one day. That generally doesn't help the situation any. But um, how did, could God have gotten light here in six days? Well, I had a spoken word the way he created. 
But the Bible tells us, one of the great prophecies, in fact, in the New Testament is in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 6. This is where we're told they're going to become scoffers in the last days. They're going to be saying, where's the promises of Jesus' return? Since the uh, beginning and since the fathers died, all things remain the same. And the, these scoffers are going to be willingly ignorant of two things. One we'll talk about here. These scoffers will be willingly ignorant that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. God made mature heavens to be signed immediately for signs of the seasons, days, and the years. Right there in Genesis 1, you can see that the writer knows the difference between a day and a year. Did you, speaking of light, which God says he got here at his spoken word, let's say we, we can't accept that. Uh, did you know that scientists in labs have slowed light, which travels through our atmosphere at 186,282 miles per second? They've slowed it to 100 miles per hour. Did you know that? They brought it to a dead stop and captured it and re-released it. Other scientists working with Princeton were able to speed light impulses to 300 times the speed of light, about 55 million miles per second. Well, wait a minute. If mankind can play with the speed of light, I don't think the creator of light has any problem doing exactly what he says he's done. See, the problem that a lot of folks have, and maybe many of you without thinking about it, so please think about this, is trying to limit God by what his creation can do. God is outside of creation. What nature is capable of doing is nothing. God put those in place. He's not limited by what his creation can do. And that's based on uniformitarianism, uniformity, which is also prophesied will come in the last days in 2 Peter 3. They say, well, light travels this fast today. It's always been the same, uniformity. It takes this long to get here. Well, that's based on uniformity. Ten times in Scripture, God says he stretched out the heavens. He made them mature. He stretched them out at his spoken word. And when we get to the, to the new heavens and new earth, we're not going to sit there in the dark for billions of years waiting for God to get light here, okay? Trust me, he's going to get it there at his spoken word. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't it just a local flood? My friends, um, I, I spend a lot of time on the age of the earth issues, especially the global flood. Most folks don't realize this, but whether the age of the earth comes down to whether or not you believe there was a global flood or not. If there was a global flood, it wipes out every old earth belief. And um, that's why I take people to Grand Canyon. Things I can show you at Grand Canyon are mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. So, <clears throat> so inside the church we get today trying to fit secular old earth beliefs that put death before Adam, they'll say, wasn't it just a local flood? You guys ever hear the local flood? The reason you hear that is they're trying to fit old earth beliefs into the Bible and deny the global flood. The global flood wipes out all old earth beliefs. So wasn't it just a local flood? Well, the Bible tells us that the flood covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. If the Bible's true... That is a global flood. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame this on Pastor Tim. I asked him this morning, I said, Pastor, can I be perfectly honest with everybody here? He said, I want you to be absolutely perfectly honest. So I'm going to do that. Is that okay with everybody? Can I, be, can I be honest with you? Does anybody want me to lie? Okay, then, then I'm going to be absolutely honest. If the Bible's true. 
if the Bible's true, and there really been this global flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven, wouldn't the evidence be just overwhelming? I mean, there should be nothing to even talk about or argue about. I mean, if God's word were really true, right? I mean, if there really been this world-encompassing flood, I would expect the evidence to be overwhelming. Uh, for instance, I would expect the outer crust of the earth that we live our entire lives on, that we walk on, that we're, we're sitting and standing on right now, I would think the outer crust would be made up of sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water that have been stratified out by the moving water by grain size, weight, and density. You ever see a miner with a pan? He scoops up some, some sediments in water. He sloshes it back and forth. Well, that moving water stratifies out those sediments by grain size, weight, and density. Well, on a global scale, I would think the year-long flood would have stratified out the sediments and laid them down in layers so you have all shale, all sandstone, all mudstone stratified by grain size, weight, and density by the moving water. Not just one big brown conglomerate as if they'd formed slowly over long ages of time. Oh, and I would think those layers laid down by water in that year-long flood, I'd expect to find billions of dead things in there. Things that were drowned and buried so quickly they didn't have time to rot away or get eaten by scavengers. I mean, if, if the Word of God were true. So, so what do we actually find today? Well, the outer crust of the earth averages a mile deep of sedimentary layers of water stratified out by grain size, weight, and density. These have all shale, all mudstone, all sandstone. And those layers laid down in that year-long flood were full of billions of dead things that we call fossils. Things that were drowned and buried so quickly, they didn't even have time to rot away or get eaten by scavengers. About a month ago, I was speaking at a church in California, and I, I was driving out from my house about two miles down the road from our house. Someone had run over a raccoon right in the middle of the road, squished it, deader than a doornail. I came back three days later, scavengers had already eaten it. I thought I was going to lay there for millions of years, waiting for stratus to like build up around it so it become a fossil. Things have to be buried immediately to be saved to be fossils. Those layers are undeniable proof God's word is true. You see, all old earth beliefs, let me, let me show you where this comes from. 2 Peter 3, that great prophecy in the New Testament goes on about these scoffers. They're going to be willingly ignorant, not only by the, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, that by the word of God, the world that was being overflowed with water perished. Let this sink in. This is spectacular prophecy. 2,000 years ago, the Bible said in the last days, scoffers would deny the global flood. Why in the world would you deny the global flood? Well, the humanistic and secular worldview, which is taught as science today, is based on those exact same sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water. They just say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was never a global flood fulfilling biblical prophecy. They say those layers formed slowly over millions and billions of years of time, putting the fossils there for millions of years before man, putting death before Adam. That's the key issue in the age of the earth. If you're going, who cares about the age of the earth? It puts death before Adam. Not only does it go against God's word, it puts death before Adam. That, that's, that's the key issue. And that's why you have these people saying it was just a local flood. Worse than that, if that isn't enough, by putting death before Adam and undermining that Adam's sin brought in death, separating us from God, recurring our redemption, it, it undermines your entire gospel message. And worse than that is Christians who have accepted the old earth beliefs tend to, think about this, make up a different Jesus. 
you guys know what I'm talking about. Most of you know what I'm talking about. There's a theistic evolution Jesus who used millions of years of death and suffering to slowly evolve us. There's the progressive creation Jesus who used millions of years of death and suffering to slowly create us. There's a gap theory Jesus that destroyed a different creation because of Satan and his minions, then made this creation, left it full of Satan and his minions, and called it very good. That, that's the gap theory Jesus. The one thing these three have in common is, and think about this, you won't find any of them in the Word of God. I'm just telling you, I don't know what Jesus, I'm not saying what Jesus will say about it, only Jesus can say that. But he did warn us that the sign of the last days right before his return would be false Christs and false teachers. And if you're worshiping a false Christ, you might want to give that some thought today. I say humble yourself to the real Jesus found in the Word of God. It's no wonder Jesus said, if I have told you of earthly things like that global flood, and you won't even believe those things, how will you believe in spiritual things, heavenly things? What's he saying? If, if you won't even believe the things that I can show you, like those sedimentary layers laid down by water, how are you going to believe in spiritual things that, that you can't see? Put your trust in the real Jesus. What about this? There isn't enough water to cover Mount Everest. Where would all the water go? Now, that's a fair question. Well, first of all, Mount Everest didn't exist during the global flood. Toward the end of the flood, the waters rushed up by the mountains and down into the valleys. The ocean basins collapsed at the end of the flood, jutting mountains upward. Mount Everest didn't exist until the very end of the global flood. And that's why all our tallest mountains like Everest are littered with seashells on the tops. Scientists today, biased by their belief in no global flood, because it would wipe out their old Earth beliefs, which is their foundation, say that there was a global flood on Mars where we don't even know if there's a single liquid drop of water. 71% of the surface of the Earth is covered by water. If the Earth's surface were flat, the water, there's enough water to be one and three quarters miles deep over the entire planet. And yet they say there was never a flood on Earth with all that water and sedimentary layers laid down by water making up the crust of the Earth. That's religious bias masquerading as science and undermining the faith of not millions, billions of people. And if I recall correctly, Pastor Tim, I do believe Jesus said we're supposed to tell good from bad by the fruit. And that, my friends, is evil fruit. Making up false Christ to fit with the old earth beliefs, I believe, would qualify as evil fruit. I could go on and on with evil fruit for a long time, and I cover a lot of those in my book, by the way. Okay, well, doesn't radiometric dating prove those rock layers are billions of years old? No, radiometric dating is not, made, uh, not used on sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water. It's used on igneous rock. How do they get the date for the rock layers? Well, this book says, well, we date the rock layers by the fossils found in them. They date the rock layers by the fossils, not by some uh, isotope dating method. Well, this question, doesn't carbon dating show the fossils are millions of years old? Well, no, carbon dating is used on organic material, plant and animal remains. In a fossil, the organic material has been replaced by minerals such as calcite um, or silica. So there is no scientific way, technique, to date a fossil. They date the fossil by the rock layer it's in. Yeah, yeah, stay with me on this. You're ahead of us already. 
Okay, here's another question I get. Why don't we find human fossils in those older strata layers? Well, first of all, mammal fossils are extremely rare. And most that are found are only made up of one bone. In fact, mammal fossils only make up about one quarter of 1% of the fossil record. So mammal fossils are extremely rare. But remember, they date the rock layer by the fossils in them, and they date the fossils by the rock layer they're found in. So in the extremely rare, super rare instance a human remain is found, like even a bone, they're going to redate it to fit the evolutionary story, the geologic column. For instance, in 1972, a human skull was found under a rock layer that had already been dated 250 million years old. Well, they say humans only came along in the last 2 million or so years. Don't hold me to that. They, they go from 1 to 4 million. It depends on which day of the week it is. But so we're just going to go with 2 million. So did they admit that, hey, there's no way to explain this but a global flood that wipes out every old earth belief and in the process wiping out Darwinism, humanism, naturalism, and all compromised positions in the church today? Well, of course not. They just redated the rock. They date the rock by the fossil. They went from 250 million years and they redated it to 1.8 million years to fit the geologic column, the evolutionary time frame. They date the rock by the fossil. So any rare instance they find fossils, they, they find uh, fossils in the wrong layers all the time. They just redate the layer or ignore the, the finding. So they found the skull under 250 million year of rock. So they just redated it to fit the time frame they wanted. Well, wait a minute. Don't the ice ages and continental drift prove the earth is billions of years old? Well, the Bible says at the start of the flood, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up. The fountains of the deep erupted. These were scalding hot waters. This is what led to the one and only ice age. Think about this. Scalding hot waters erupted, warming up the oceans. It's estimated that the flood's average temperature of the floodwaters were about 120 degrees Fahrenheit. This led to massive evaporation and cloud cover that were raining down over the equators and pounding snow onto the poles, forming the ice caps. Don't destroy the U.S. economy because the ice caps are melting. They've been melting for 4,000 years now. I mean, they used to come down. You can look at a map of where the ice caps used to be. They used to come down where Kansas City, Missouri is. They're 2,000 miles north of there today. They've been melting back since the ice age ended. After the global flood, for about a four or 500-year period, the ocean slowly cooled, the evaporation became less and less, and the ice age ended. You ever wonder why the Egyptians made these huge, beautiful cities in the middle of these deserts that don't have a blade of grass? Well, they were lush forests and grasslands at that time. All of a sudden, God turned off the spigot, and they're sitting there going, man, what happened to this? But that's the reason they're there today. This is a map of the world's fault lines. Did you know that the globe is crisscrossed with about 50,000 miles of these fault lines? Most of these are scars left over from where the fountains of the deep erupted. And toward the end of the flood, the Earth's fractured plates slid apart from where those fountains had erupted, leaving behind the fractured plates and the supposed continental drift today. The continental drift took place toward the latter part of the flood, 
Today, they, they move about a half inch a year. They might even rock back and forth. We don't know. But based on uniformitarianism, as foretold in 2 Peter 3, they say, well, they're this far apart, and they're only moving a half inch a year. It took hundreds of millions of years to drift apart. You ever see a car accident, and someone rear-ends another car, and boom, in a millionth of a second, that hood's crumpled? Let's say you'd never seen that before, and you believed in uniformitarianism. You come along, you measure the crumpled hood, and you see it's hardly moving at all today. You might say it took hundreds of billions of years to crumple that hood. No, it happened quickly. Uniformity is a very faulty theory. Well, didn't Adam's sin just bring in spiritual death, not physical death? This is, again, trying to fit old earth beliefs into God's Word. I got this from a, a Biola professor, by the way. So I answered for him. I said, no, I, you know, physical death, uh, first of all, spiritual death was immediate. And we were separated from our Creator. Physical death, however, began immediately, but it took a while for the process to complete. This actually shows God's grace and mercy. Had physical death been instantaneous, as was spiritual death, that would have been the end of mankind. And there would be no way to seek redemption with our loving Creator. But because of His grace and mercy, physical death takes some time. C.S. Lewis referred to pain as God's megaphone to the world, calling us back to him. This comes from another, uh, <laughs> this comes from another seminary professor. Weren't plants dying before Adam's sin, proving there was death before Adam? Well, first of all, uh, we're told that plants were made to be the food source. Now, plants don't have a nephesh kaya, a living soul. They were made to be the food source. Plant death is not the same thing as the death we're talking about. And in the new heavens and new earth, Jesus will give us in the nearing future, the lion will dwell with the lamb and the lion will eat straw like the ox. So we're going to go back to that perfect world yet again, my friends. Well, haven't scientists proven birds evolved from dinosaurs over millions of years? That's like their flavor of the month now. Think about it logically. With literally 200 million species out there, and they can't find a missing link between any. What are the odds they would want to find one and find it? Yeah, let, let that sink in for a second. No, no possibility whatsoever. But have they, have they uh, proven dinosaurs evolved into birds? First of all, all of their claimed feathered dinosaurs have turned out to have nothing but hair or to be extinct flightless birds. Think of the emu or the ostrich as an example. Uh, they had claimed Compsognathus was the missing link. It was about the size of a chicken, and they said it was the feathered dinosaur, the link between dinosaurs and birds. But last year, a, a completely uh, well-preserved uh, fossil of Compsognathus was found. It had 100% scales, no feathers whatsoever. Oh, and modern birds' fossils have been found in the layer below dinosaurs, which from their standpoint would put the birds there before the dinosaurs no, birds, uh, dinosaurs are not changing to Tweety birds. You don't have to worry about going to Kentucky Fried Dinosaur after church today. Now, here's one. I bet you guys have heard this. Aren't a day and a thousand years the same thing to God? Anyone hear someone say that? They're trying to fit millions of years into the Bible, and, and they've been misled. Hey, believe me, trust me, I'm not saying that there's something wrong, that these people are bad. They've just been fooled. And iron has to sharpen iron. We have to help each other to stay on track. Satan is good at what he does. Man, he doesn't have to get you not to know what the Bible says if he can just start putting doubts and especially get you to start worshiping a different Jesus.
But are a day in, the, in a thousand years the same thing to God? Uh, no, a day to God is a day, and a thousand years to God is a thousand years, and a million years to God is a million years. Now, this comes from 2 Peter 3, where, now remember, I'm telling you, I, I was sharing the, the great prophecy in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 6. This is verse 8. 3 through 6, scoffers will claim God can't get light here, couldn't ju judge the world by a global flood. And they're saying, where's the promise of Jesus' return? They're saying Jesus is not coming back is what they're saying. The answer to these scoffers is this. Hey, whether God sends Jesus back in a day or in a thousand years doesn't matter to God. He will send Jesus when he is good and ready. And, and they're not saying a day and a thousand years are the same. They're contrasting the two as polar opposites. And this is the only verse old earthers ever bring up. So you and I, we're locked in this space-time continuum. We live in the present. We can look back at the past, and we're heading into the future. Now, remember, we talked about God being the only viable creator of the universe, being outside of space, matter, and time. So God is outside of space, matter, and time. At any instant, God can see the future. He can see the past. He can see the present right now. And that's the reason he's able to give all these prophecies that come true. He, he sees them taking place. He can tell you everything that's going to happen in the future. Now, God is not saying that a day and a thousand years are the same. He's saying whether I send Jesus in a day or in a thousand years, contrasting the two as polar opposites, I will send Jesus when I'm good and ready. That's what he is saying. He will send him in his perfect timing, not in my timing, not in your timing, in God's perfect timing. So next time someone tells you, well, a day and a thousand years are the same thing to God, they've just been misled. They're not evil. They've just been fooled on this issue. Help them out. Explain it to them. A day is a day, and a thousand years is a thousand years to God. Okay, here's another one you'll probably enjoy. I get some of these. I got quite a few of these. As a pastor accepts old earth beliefs to put death before Adam and undermine the gospel message, by the way, <clears throat> what gives you the right to share your uneducated opinion the Bible's flood and creation stories are true? God, <laughs> not to mention real science. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Not science. Real science is your best friend. But false science. Science has been taken over by secularists, as has the media and the universities, the public schools. They are teaching their biased interpretation of the evidence as science. It's not science. It's their interpretation. The biblical interpretation fits like a hand in a glove. Just few people get to see that today. So oh, beware of false science, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Erring concerning the faith is not a good thing. Well, do you think intelligent life was brought here by aliens? Now, this jumps to the conclusion, I think there's intelligent life here. That's, that's number one. <laughs> and the more I watch the news, the more I really question that, honestly. Goodness gracious. Well, Andromeda is one of the nearest major galaxies to our, our Milky Way, yet it's two and a half million light years away. In other words, at today's speed of light, it would take two and a half years million years to get here. This is since God stretched them out, by the way. Well, so people say, well, alien spaceships, they're really, really fast. 
Let's say they could travel half the speed of light. It would still take them five million years to get here. Well, some people, they can hibernate. Maybe they, they were hibernating on the way here. Okay, we can go with, with hypothetical situations forever and not get anywhere. Uh, but let me show you one problem here. One cubic yard of space contains about 10,000 dust and ice particles. If you were to hit just one dust particle traveling at 50% the speed of light, it would cause an explosion equivalent to detonating 60 tons of TNT. And that would spoil your hibernation in a hurry. And besides, for God so loved the world, not the universe, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever does what? Believe. We're supposed to do what? Believe. We're supposed to believe in him. Yes. If you've been fooled to making up a different Jesus, okay? I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to help you. I used to be a theistic evolutionist. Okay, I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to help you. But if you're worshiping a different Jesus, humble yourself to the one in the Bible who said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by him. He didn't say, oh, by the way, if you, if you don't trust me because of secular atheist interpretations, make up a different one. I, I, don't, I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. So if, if I just said this and you're mad at me, praise God, because I've just maybe stepped on your toes in a good way. But better yet, if I've just shocked you with that, and now you're saying, praise Jesus, that's even a better reaction. That was my reaction. I was a theistic evolutionist until someone showed this to me, and now I share it with others. We're just to believe in him. Okay, why should we waste our time on evolution, age, earth issues when we should be sharing the gospel? Well, first of all, Pew and Barna Research report that 80 to 90% of our children leave the church by the age of 20 now. Almost 90%. We're losing 90%. And I'll bet you everyone in here is a victim. They know children or grandchildren that fit this. So is it a waste of time? Well, Pew did a, did a study uh, contacting Christian-raised kids who had lost their faith by the age of 20. And between the ages of 20 and 30, they asked them, what, what were the reasons? Why did you lose your faith? The number one reason was thinking Darwinian evolutionism was true. I show people how to destroy Darwinism in four seconds flat. Caused NAU to launch an accredited course attacking me in biblical creation. They ran for four years. They might still run it. I don't know. Um, I offered to debate up to 20 of their professors in Aubrey Auditorium. They wouldn't touch that. You know, you think, wow, 20 professors. Hey, 20 professors times zero evidence of Darwinism is still zero evidence. Number two was thinking the Bible's not rational. Well, not rational compared to what? To the Darwinian and secular teachings. Number three was thinking there's no proof of creation in what the Bible says. I mean, like those sedimentary layers laid down by water we spend our whole life on. Like the fact that kinds only bring, biology finds that kinds only bring forth after their kind. Darwinism is they bring forth different kinds. Real science shows kinds only bring forth after their kind. We're told that 10 times in Genesis. But see, kids aren't learning this. They're not being shown this because 98% of churches block this information. There's only one church in this town that didn't let me speak. Guess where that is? While they lose 90% of their kids.
I've had pastors in this town, their youth pastors, go up and say, we've got to have Russ come and speak. We're losing nights and our kids, and they're telling me this is the reason. Only to be told, you bring this up again, you're fired. We, there's something wrong, my friends. Do not take Pastor Tim and Jewel for granted. Don't think all churches are like this. We're, we're too busy doing, doing things that just really and truly aren't what the gospel is all about. They can be nice things, but they're not leading you to believe in the biblical Jesus. There's something wrong. Because we're supposed to tell good from bad by what? The fruit. And the fourth reason was saying the church has no answers. The church has the answers. Because why does the church block the information? Because of old earth beliefs. 90 plus percent of seminaries teaching old earth beliefs, uh, teaching uh, theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, all this, putting death before Adam. Uh, I spoke up in Grand Rapids, Michigan a couple years ago. Calvin College is there. They teach theistic evolution. So they sent 50 of their science honor students there to harass me in a loving Christian way, I'm sure. Well, fortunately, praise God, I did my science and Darwinism that night. Just destroys Darwinism right out of the textbooks. And as I walked off the stage, this is a high school auditorium, and there were curtains at the edge of the stage. I just got behind the curtains. Three of their students came running up the steps. This one young woman right in my face. She says, I hold an advanced degree in biology, and I came here to debate you about Darwinism. And you just show me everything Calvin College teaches is based on a lie. I said, well, praise God, and go back and tell your professors to stop putting death before Adam with their old earth beliefs. Well, they didn't, uh, the, the Calvin professors didn't do that. Last year, they came out, Calvin professors, and this is now a growing trend in Christian colleges and seminaries. You'll hear this yourself, so I want you to be prepared for this. Now they're teaching, well, Adam, Adam was just a mythical figure. I answered that question earlier. Why would they say that? Well, think about this on a timeline. Picture this. The Bible starts out, in the beginning God created. Jesus Christ said man was made male and female since the beginning. And the biblical message is man's sin brought in death, separating us from God, requiring our redemption through Jesus. All old earth beliefs put death before Adam. Well, you can't teach Adam's, that death brought us into the world and then turn around and teach Adam's sin brought in death, right? So their answer was, A, humble themselves to God's word. That didn't happen. Or B, just start teaching Adam was a mythical figure. And old earth beliefs. And we're to tell good from bad by the fruit. And that is as evil as it gets. The church has the answers, but they're blocking it because they don't want to upset the old earth believers. Isn't that mind-boggling? I mean, I've been doing this 20 years now, and it's still beyond my comprehension as a human being. I still don't get it. My wife and I talk about this almost daily. We look at each other and we say, we can't believe Every time I share Darwinism and science and Darwinism, I have Christian kids that have left the faith come up to me. When I'd speak at NAU, I'd be surrounded by 50 to 70 kids afterwards. One biology teacher quit her job, became a Christian, now teaches science in a Christian school. Because real science is, is on our side, praise God. But it gets blocked because of old earth beliefs. So next time someone says the age of earth doesn't matter, start realizing, whoa, wait a minute, it's the whole foundational issue here. In fact, this Darwinian biologist and world-renowned atheist professor stated, think about what he says here, the revolution against Christianity 
began, when it became obvious earth was ancient rather than having been created 6,000 years ago, he said this finding, old earth beliefs, were the snowball that started the whole avalanche that has wiped Christianity off the face of Europe and is causing us to lose 90% of our kids. Next time you hear someone say the age of the earth doesn't matter, or if you came in here this morning thinking that, correct them and say, well, we'll tell good from bad by the fruit and start going through some of the fruit. The compromise within the Christian circles, the false Christ within the church today, the fact we, we block the information while losing 90% of our kids, I'd have to say the age of the earth makes a lot of difference. No wonder Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. Well, at my college, it's okay to belittle Christians, but you say anything unflattering about anyone else, you might get kicked out of the college. Why is this? So I was speaking to any of you a few years back, and um, I always did the hour-long uh, message, and then I always had to do an hour-long Q&A because I couldn't just leave because the professors would have said, boy, if you'd have let me talk, boy, I'd have shown them. So I always did the open Q&A so the professors, they could ask any question they wanted. Yeah, I knew they didn't have anything to begin with, and they wouldn't ask a question directly because I'd come right back with questions they couldn't answer. But they would surround themselves by 30 or so little minions, and the minions would ask the questions. Well, one kid stood up during the Q&A, and this was at NAU, and he just said something, I mean, despicable about Christians. And the whole auditorium just roared in laughter. And God just gave this to me. I just waited for the laughter to die down. And I said, okay, now I have a question for all of you. I said, this young man said something like that about a Christian, and you thought it was so funny, so enjoyable. But if he would have said something like that about a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim or a homosexual, he would have been kicked out of this college. Why is it okay to say something like that about a Christian but nobody else? And you could have heard a pin drop. And I'm having this conversation in my head with God, and I'm saying, but God, they're going to kill me. But I said, okay. And the, you could have heard a pin drop for about 10 seconds. And I said, okay, tell you what, I'm going to answer that question for you. Satan is the God of this world. He's most certainly the God of this secular campus. And he already has all non-believers. He doesn't want you wasting your time attacking non-believers. But Christianity is the real deal. And that's why on this campus and across this nation, you can't say anything unflattery about anybody except Christians, and you can say any nasty, despicable thing you want about them, and all of you will rejoice in it. Jesus is the real deal. And you could have heard a pin drop. Wow. You see... Today, you're supposed to tolerate everything, right? But it's ABC tolerance. Anything but Christianity. ABC tolerance. Well, why can't you accept that there are many roads that lead to God? Oh, I think all roads lead to God. But only one's for salvation. All others will be for judgment. And my friends, just because God has allowed us to find the truth, doesn't mean we sit back and be arrogant and look down on anyone who, who is seeking but hasn't found. That's the reason we're to give answers with meekness and fear. 
Now, I don't, don't, don't think I'm standing here and telling you I have not failed on that a few times. But I just pick myself up and continue to try to share the truth. We need to, iron has to sharpen iron. We need to lead people to the truth. And the false science is destroying people by the billions. We need to give an answer for the reason that's the hope in our heart. Well, how can you explain there being a loving God in a world full of death and suffering? Well, the biblical answer, which, by the way, 98% of Christians can't provide today, why can't Christians provide this simple answer? Because of old earth beliefs that put death before Adam. The biblical answer is this. How can there be a God that allows a world full of death and suffering? Well, God didn't give us a world full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation. What happened to it? Adam's original sin. Adam's original sin corrupted the creation, allowing death to enter, and that's why we live in a world full of death and suffering, yet have a loving God. Now, isn't that a simple answer? And it's right there in Genesis 1 and 3. But if you've accepted an old earth belief that puts death before Adam, you can't say Adam's sin brought in death, if you think death brought in Adam. See, the age of the earth matters. Oh, now, more importantly, though, from a biblical standpoint, is that original sin separated us from God. Adam walked in the garden with God, but the sin separated us from God, and that's what we deserve for eternity, is to be separated from God. But praise God, He is so loving despite our sin, which is our rebellion against Him, and there's no way we can redeem ourselves with God because we cannot be righteous. He sent His only begotten Son to suffer and die on a cross, His shed blood covering our sin, and all He asks is that we believe in Him. That's the only thing He asks us to do. Believe in Him and spend eternity in heaven with Him. My friends, that's the foundation of the gospel message. I call it the cost. Creation, original sin, separation, and the need for the cross, the need for redemption. Wow, that's the gospel message. But when you put death before Adam, you've undermined all this. And that's the reason most Christians can't answer that simple question today. You know, the... Uh, um, what was that big hurricane? It was Bush's fault down in New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> Katrina, that's right. Um, well, that's what the media said for four years every day after that. Well, anyways, um, I saw them interview two pastors on international television, and they asked them, how could God allow such a thing to happen? Well, see, both these guys are old earthers. I can spot them a mile away. Hey, give the first guy the mic. How could God allow such a thing to happen? Well, well, uh, God's ways aren't our ways. And she's like, goes over to the next pastor. How could God allow something like this to happen? Well, 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 sometimes you just have to have faith. No, the answer was God didn't create the world the way today. Our sin corrupted it, allowing this to happen, allowing death to enter while separating us from God. But God is so loving, he sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross where he'd be redeeming him for eternity. But because of their compromise with old earth beliefs, they couldn't lay down the gospel message to the entire world. The age of the earth does matter, my friends. And the last enemy that will be destroyed when Jesus returns is death. And he's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth where will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, where the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the lion will eat straw like the ox. We're going to spend eternity in this awesome creation. You know, the Bible says heaven's beyond our comprehension. Just think about this. We operate in three dimensions. Science, based on the Bible, thinks there's at least ten dimensions. 
Think about this. In heaven, there might be trillions of dimensions. And we're going to have eternity to check them out. It's going to be awesome. And no more death, pain, or suffering. My friends, again, from the book of Jude, we are to earnestly contend for the faith once given to the saints. We need to get in there and contend with our Christian friends who I'm afraid many are not getting this information. We can make a difference. That's the calling of our ministry. We teach about creation, evolution, age, earth issues. We uh, provide reasons for the hope that's in the heart of all true believers and all true seekers. Uh, I do this through my various teachings and Grand Canyon tours, and um, including our Christian heritage, Noah's Ark, and dinosaurs. And uh, we have all of our messages on our DVD sets. We just got back last week, uh, Monday, from uh, speaking up in Washington and Idaho and uh, we only have a few of our, our things with us because I was stuck all week where they don't plow the roads. And it's <laughs> the reason if I look a little red today, I got sunburnt yesterday shoveling. And also, I finally just had to hike out about, about eight-tenths of a mile with a harness pulling a sled with everything behind me. So I got a little sunburnt. I've always wanted to be a redhead, so that's Okay. <laughs> So we don't have a lot of things with us, but we do have the DVDs and a couple of my books, The Cost, which cover the top 10 Old Earth Beliefs, the top 10 Darwinian Beliefs, the top 10 Evil Fruit of Old Earth Beliefs. You know what the first fruit of Old Earth Beliefs was? Darwinian Evolution. It's one of the fruits coming from Old Earth Beliefs. And we tell good from bad by the fruit. And our Noah's Ark and Dinosaurs and America's Christian Heritage coloring books. Our Grand Canyon trips, which Tim has done with us uh, at least, I think, twice, I believe. And um, there's so many. I can show you original creation rock. I can show you where the flood layers come in. I can show you proof it's a mile from the rim to the river. I can show you proof there used to be a mile and a half above the rim, a mile and a half of layers above where you are right now, removed all the way to the sea, and, and just much more awesome information that can only be explained by a global flood. Um, did I mention a global flood late explains how the Earth's crust form wiping out every old Earth belief that puts death before Adam? It's the linchpin in the war of worldviews. My friends, let me end my part with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the leadership of this church that has chosen to stand on your non-compromised word, word for word and cover to cover, your word who became flesh and dwelt among us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his great name I do pray. Amen. God bless you guys. From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.